Hey there, freedom lovers. This is Kurt Mercadante. Welcome to another episode of the Freedom Media Network podcast. Now, if you have been with us for the past four and a half, five years, however long we've been doing this show, then today's guest will be no stranger, but perhaps you're a newer listener. Perhaps you just don't have a memory that goes back (laughs) that long. But Mike Johnson, who we featured today, uh, interviewed him. He was one of our very first guests. And over time, that interview has stood the test of time. It is the number one most downloaded interview we've had on this show. If you want to go back and listen to it, we'll put it in the show notes. It's, uh, I think, Living Your Life Like a Perpetual Saturday or How to Make Your Life a Perpetual Saturday. So we brought back Mike, and and, and Mike and I have gone back and forth. We like to, to be a member of the 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. club. I, I, I look back, we were, we were uh, one of the few non-drunks uh, on New Year's Day, and you did an early post on LinkedIn, and, and we were messaging back and forth, and you had a post last week called The 21 Club. And so I wanted to have you on to talk about that and more. Uh, Mike, I, I, I don't know how to, you're an entrepreneur, a philosopher, a writer at heart, uh, a journalist, uh, an opportunist in a good way. I know some people in our society like to think of that as a bad term. And you, and you reposted, I noticed the other day, uh, about one of my very favorite stories, which I'll ask you to, to share again. Uh, but Mike Johnson, thank you for coming on the Freedom Media Network podcast. Thank you. You're welcome. Very good. How do you describe yourself? If people say, what do you do, Mike? I tell them I'm retired and I'm just a normal guy who really went after what he wanted. And it turns out that some of the things that I achieved and got, a lot of other people want to achieve and get too. So I've reached a stage of life where, you know, I'm not as rich as Midas, but I have enough. And enough is where I stopped. And so now I'm just giving back and sharing. And I get kicks of sharing the information I've learned. I just turned 65 at the end of last month. Um, I'm still happy just sharing my stuff. So if I can help somebody get there quicker, save a few decades off their journey, I'm, I'm all for that. And that's kind of what lights me up. And, I, and one of the things I always love is, uh, and I always think about it because it's, it's something I'm moving toward. Um, and so your, your face pops up into my head when I think about this. Uh, you're living rent-free in my head, Mike. Is, <laughs> is you, pr- you always pride yourself on, and we joked earlier today about it, of not having and trying not to have anything on your schedule. Right. Now, I'd love for you to dive into that more about how you get to that point, why you like it. But also, I can hear, whenever I post or I ask these questions, right. I can hear the people I know the comments that are coming before they're there. Well, that's that's easy for you to do, Mike. You're just privileged living there. You're a rich dude living in. Yeah, and and so um, can you jump into that morass a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I mean, life is what you demand of it. It'll pay the price that you demand, and it, it's really as simple as that. There's no cookie-cutter way to copy somebody, you know, 100%, and, hey, if I do it exactly like this guy. Because, you know, everybody's got uh, different levels of self-confidence, self-worth, self-esteem, self-discipline. Um, everybody's got different desires, different character traits, personality. So which, what I always say, the fastest way to get anywhere you want to get is to study people who have already gotten it because they know the shortcuts they've done it it's not somebody just giving you a fairy tale that might work they know it they know it they did it you can see it by their fruits 
you shall know them. So the idea for me was I wanted to escape the corporate world. I wanted to escape work schedules. And then I wanted to escape freelance writing. Then I wanted to escape being an entrepreneur. And then I even wanted to escape passive income. My passive income was 90 or 95% when I owned trailer parks. Now I've sold the parks to my daughter and her husband. So now it's 100% passive income for me. So um, it's an evolution. It's a journey. But until you demand it, you're not going to get it. So I tell people that, you know, if you don't have it and you want it, there's a journey to be taken, you know, and the faster the journey, the more you demand it. It'll go faster the more you demand it. Just make it happen. It's and when you say and be just because I know you and and I, you know, I follow your writings, there's a lot of people on LinkedIn who the words are similar. Demand it, make it happen. But the way in which they're saying to go about it is much different, right? It's, it's struggle, drive yourself into the ground, abuse yourself. And and you also say, you know, by your fruits, you shall know them, but really know what the fruits are, right? You have to know what you want first, because I see people saying, well, success leaves clues, but you haven't decided what success looks like. So it might be a dude with a lot of money whose health sucks, relationship sucks, who's stressed, who's about five years from death, right? But we say, I need that. And so when he says demand it, he means don't sleep, you know, get three hours of sleep, like Arnold Schwarzenegger says, and all these people. Um, So how do you, how do you, I find that's a harder message. The, The hardest message to get people to adopt is one of ease. It's easy if I tell people to go beat their head into the wall. They'll pay me for that. The hardest thing is like, relax. So how, <laughs> how, where do you find the fine line between demanding, making it happen, but also chilling out? Well, to me, it was where my life really changed when I look back. It was getting up an hour early and giving that first hour to me and my dream. And other people have said that, but if you live it, it works. Um, you know, I used to love Saturdays was my favorite day when I was in corporate. So my mind said, well, how can I get more Saturdays? And I thought, well, just get up an hour early and I can put on the Saturday jeans, the Saturday moccasins, listen to the Saturday music, read the stuff I would read, do the stuff I would do, only direct it toward my dream. And my dream then was to become a writer. So by getting up first and giving myself dessert first, you know, that made me look forward to getting up to every day. And that was an easy way to ease into getting your head right before you entered your day. And the other thing was, is in the corporate world, 24 hours can be really miserable in a long time. So if you have to put up with 24 hours of another day, you sure as heck want to advance somehow during that 24 hour period, or you just wasted it and you face, you're just where you were yes tomorrow. So I always said, eat this first, divert dessert first, and then if you give yourself the first hour, no matter what happens the rest of the day, no matter what gets thrown at you, you've made progress first toward your dream before the whole world dumps on you after that. So that that's my way of making it easy. It's uh, we do a mindfulness program, a mindful month program, and and we start with five minutes in the morning getting up first of all don't sleep with your phone in your room you know uh don't check screens go get up pee and then sit we just literally start we don't start with meditation sit in silence for five minutes now it sounds so easy people are like i i can do that for some people 
we're 11 days into this program, uh, the current monthly program, and there's some people who haven't done it. It's sitting and, and, and eating your dessert first and just sitting in silence in the morning is so counterintuitive to everything we've been programmed to do, which is probably explains the state of health and consciousness yeah. in our world today. Yes. That's why I say that uh, I've been social distancing since 1957. And the reason is, is because society and civilization has this energy about it. It is just frenetic and harried and hassled and stressful and move, 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 faster, 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 more complexity, more complexity. So getting yourself away from the world for the first hour of the day gets you out of all of that buzz and gets you slowed down and gets you back in tune with who you are inside. It's, it's just kind of magic. I, I know that waking up early and, and eating your dessert first is part of the 21 factors or, or things we're going to talk about today. But I'd love to, re because I, it, it, I put it in my book. We talked about it last time. I know you just recently reshared it. Um, but it is, it's, it's a, I've shared it with my kids. I share it with my clients. I share it with anyone who says, I mean, last week I posted about a limiting belief, which is, um, I can't remember what the original limiting belief was, but someone replied with another limiting belief. And the other limiting belief was it takes money to make money. And I said, no, it takes creativity. And immediately my mind goes to this story. So the story is, of course, the folding chairs and the was, I think it was a Wild West show, right? In, in Cody, right. Wyoming. Can right. you share that with our listeners? Because I think it is such, there are so many facets of this in terms of creativity. The fact that it doesn't take money to make money. The naysayers who told you you were dumb and foolish for doing it. But the fact that you didn't have to hustle and grind to make a good deal of cash. So if you would, I, I would love if you would share that. Sure. sure. Um, we had a trolley tour company. It was based on the porch of the Irma Hotel in Cody, Wyoming. Buffalo Bill built the hotel himself a hundred years earlier. And each night, six nights a week, the hotel would put on a little skit, Western skit that always ended in a gunfight right in the street in front of the hotel. Well, our trolley booth was based right on the porch, literally. So every night we saw that show and we saw what was missing. There's two questions I always ask as an entrepreneur. What's missing? How can I profitably provide that? And what was missing was adequate seating at this show. It had been going on for 50 years. You could sit on the curb. You could sit on six picnic tables. Or if you were the other 275 people, you stood up and it was a 40-minute deal. There were some commercials beforehand and then the show. And so it was a long time to stand. Well, a lot of times we would bring chairs out for elderly people from the hotel because we knew they couldn't hack stand in 40 minutes. So I'm just looking at that. And every night, every night, it's the same problem, no, not being solved. So I ordered a dozen folding chairs. And my idea was it's a free show, but I'll rent chairs for a dollar to people who don't want to stand. And so I pull out 12 chairs. It was my test case. They were $10 a piece. It was 120 investment. I'm pulling chairs out of the car. I have an employee comes up to me and says, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm going to rent these chairs for a dollar who people don't want to stand. It was an employee and he was older than me. And he said, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> right to my face. 
<laughs> so I just smiled. I get about six chairs out and a couple comes over, asks me what the deal is. And I said, well, the show's free. You can sit on the curb or you can rent a chair for a buck and I'll get you a front row seat. So they immediately rented two chairs. 12 chairs went in about two minutes. Didn't even have to sell them. People walked up to me. So I'd ordered more chairs and it took some time for them to get there. About four or five days later, 48 chairs come in. And I'm standing there in the middle of 48 chairs, people begging to hand me money. And the employee comes up to me and said, well, I was wrong. Clearly this is a good idea. So I went to the hotel, told them the story. We made a deal. I said, I'll set up the chairs. I'll buy the chairs. I'll take the chairs down. We'll pay all the expenses. And it's your show, so I'll split half the profit with you guys. And they said, great, do it. They didn't have to do anything. I had to do everything. They got free money, and it solved the chair problem. So we were running 175 chairs a night for six nights a week, 100, 120 days a summer. So it came out to about $17,500 a year. Then when we sold the trolley nine years later, uh, we talked the buyer into raising the price to $2 a chair. So that went up to 35000 a summer. So now the chair program is $3 a chair. And they've earned over $500,000 since we started the thing. Simple folding chair. Solve a problem. What's missing? How can we profitably provide it? That's the story. And, and, and you know, a lot of people try to think of money-making ideas as if it has to be tied in with their life purpose. I mean, it, like, like what they're doing. And it was like a very simple idea that, I mean, once you bought the chairs and set them up after that, and how much time did you spend on that? Right. It's just like printing money, right? Right. We hired kids to do all the work to set down and tear down. We put stickers on the chair. We put post-it notes when people would reserve, we'd write their name, put it on the chair. So they could shop longer, eat longer and walk right up to the show a minute before it started and have a reserved seat. So the kids did most of that, and the person in the booth collected the money and sold tickets all day long, so everything was sold out before the show ever started. There was no selling chairs live. It was all sold out by the time the show started. <laughs> <laughs> Even backing up from that, you know, Cody, Wyoming, I, Buffalo Bill Cody, and, and when you moved there, you didn't move there to get in the trolley business, right? Is that, was that another instance of you seeing the need and filling the need? Um, Cody was picked out of the whole world. We decided to live there. Um, we'd run a newspaper. It worked for everybody except us. We filed bankruptcy in 96. And then we could pick anywhere in the world to live, start over fresh. I, the day after bankruptcy, I got a freelance writing client that paid me actually a little bit more than what I was earning at 7-Eleven when I was running 50 stores as a corporate guy. And uh, at that point, it was all freelance phone interviews. I could live anywhere. So we picked Cody, Wyoming out of the world because of Yellowstone, low taxes in Wyoming and beauty. And I backpacked in Wyoming as a kid and I knew I just wanted to get back there. So I moved to Cody because I had the freelance income and we did that for five years before we started the trolley tour and the trolley was what's missing. You know, that we had a big museum that did a great job of explaining the history inside the museum with our artifacts, but no one was doing the history of outside in the town that Buffalo Bill started. Hmm. So we saw trolley tours were successful in other parts of the world, so we did a trolley tour here.